good rule of thumb is to kind of look at life and say, hey, you know, what does healthy community look like? The challenge is the Sabbath. The challenge is where do you get your rest? Right. Uh, we used to try to take Fridays and Saturdays off and kind of have like this five-day work week with an understanding we'd probably work one or two nights as well. Um, and that kind of got you to 50 in a hurry. So, yeah. Between the Grooves is hosted by James Curtis, music director and morning man in the greater Toronto area on Joy Radio. And Aisha Woods, Grammy-nominated singer, songwriter, and musician. Together, they talk with artists and industry insiders to discover our connection between music and faith. You can connect with us on Facebook or Twitter, at Between Grooves. Now, here's James and Aisha. Hey, it's James. Aisha is off today, so I'm going solo on Between the Grooves for this episode. Actually, not really. Um, I have a guest with me in studio, Cliff Klein. Um, He's been doing the Christian music thing on and off for the last 10, 15 years, I guess, as a singer-songwriter. He's also a worship leader. We're going to chat about uh, his his role as a worship pastor in a local church and uh, what he's been up to uh, since as well. Cliff Klein on Between the Grooves. Cliff, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Not too bad. You're not, uh, I would say, a household name, but perhaps you are in the city of Oakville, which is where we're broadcasting from right now. Right, yep. Uh, You were, past tense, worship pastor at Hope Bible Church in Oakville. Yep. How long were you there? Five years. Five years. Yeah, and as a fan, we actually attended there for 10 years, so I was... Long time there, actually. Yeah. How did you get the gig? Um, just being involved, I was I was uh, I was part of the worship team as a volunteer for about four years, and uh, one day, kind of sat down with Robbie, and he had a coffee and said, "Hey, would you be interested in coming on staff?" So it was kind of natural, very organic. That's kind of cool, and yeah. and you know, you're just kind of name dropping Pastor Robbie, but he's the senior pastor of the church, right? And, yeah. and so you know, that's significant when the senior pastor says to you. Hey, we'd love to have you come on board. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. It, was, it was really good. Uh, was it a full full time job? Yeah, full time job for those five years. Yeah. Okay. Um, I got offered. <laughs> we've had this conversation before, but uh, I got offered in uh, the church I was attending at the time. I got I was their audio guy, and I got offered a part time gig being their you know their audio guy whenever there was an event. And I and I said no, I I can't do that because it will be a full time job with half the pay 100 percent. you know so that's why that's why i was asking it was a it was a full-time gig for you yeah full-time and so as a worship pastor it's interesting aisha can't join us today but she's also a worship pastor in orlando um what does a worship pastor do like what does your job entail and it's a loaded question because very often what happens in a church is you get hired on for one role and then you become good at that role. And then it's like, well, you're good at that. Here's this and this and this and this to do as well. Yeah, sure. So in the end, what was your job? What did you end up doing? That that maybe wasn't necessarily the role of a worship pastor. Well, it's interesting because, um, you know, those that don't know me and can't see me, uh, I'm older. And so even as I was brought on staff, it was for more than just worship. It was, in fact, overseeing worship and communications, and we did a lot of conferences and events, and for those that didn't know, it's a fairly large church. Yeah. So um, uh, when I was there, I was pushing 4,000, and uh, post-pandemic, I mean, it might be a little less than that, but um, so a very busy job. So I actually had a whole worship department I oversaw, and then a production department, as you were talking about, yeah. I oversaw, and then a communications team, and then an events team. So 
Um, it was a very busy job, very busy job. Percentage-wise, how much of the job was um, in charge of the music side of things versus uh, more of the events side? Because you're right, it is a bigger church, so there's stuff happening in the church all yeah. the time, right? Yeah, I'd say I'd say it's about 25% music all the time because right. the events involved music. So it was kind of like 25% of your conversations revolved around music, music planning uh, for events or Sunday services, which we had three and four at different seasons, and then prayer nights once a month and all that sort of thing. Um, I attended a church, uh, and I was uh, very involved in the church. This was years ago. Um, I was, we, I think we were between youth pastors, and so me, a buddy of mine, my brother, and another guy, we kind of ran the youth group for a good six months, um, we were known as the Four Horsemen, which is probably not a good, uh, you know, <laughs> description. Uh, but we we ran the place. In fact, what was kind of neat about it is that um, when the youth pastor left, we probably had about forty youth at the time, and we were able to maintain the that number. Not that numbers is everything, but we were able to maintain that number throughout the summer mm-hmm. and into September, October, before the new youth pastor started. And the reason why I mention that is, you know, we we became good friends with some of the uh, higher ups in the church, if you want to call it that, sure, it's yeah, leadership, really, whatever. Yeah, yeah, it's not really higher ups. It, it shouldn't be that way in a church, but you know, with the pastors and whatnot, especially the new youth pastor that came on board, and we we heard the expression where when there was an event, it was labeled as an A event or a B event. An A event meant as a, as an employee, as a pastor, you had to show up at this event. Yeah. A B event was well, if you can attend, great. If you can't because of family commitments, then that's fine. Yeah. So prayer nights. Um, Sunday services, were they all A events for you? For me, absolutely. Yeah, prayer nights are uh, spiritually a big deal for our church um, and uh, just an important pillar, like one of the pillars of the church. Um, and uh, Sundays, of course, uh, it, whether or not I was leading and actually involved musically, I was always kind of overseeing and, and supporting everyone that was there. So, yeah, I was, the, I was always there for everything. How often did you actually lead worship? Uh, it's hard to say. It, it went in seasons. When I when I started, I thought it would be once a month, but I probably averaged a lot more than that over time. Uh, so a couple times a month, probably. Plus, usually I was leading at an ev- all the conferences and events. Right. When you were leading on a Sunday service, like the the main uh, congregation versus any other events or, mm-hmm. or side events or whatever else, um, I'm not sure. I'm not familiar with with what uh, Hope Bible Church does as far as the worship is concerned but is this is this where one person's leading the entire time or is it kind of a tag team effort where you might lead the first couple of songs and then somebody else jumps in for a next couple is that how absolutely it works? Yeah. yeah and in fact philosophically we really went after that so trying to uh, encourage and develop and you know so we'd have two three four singers and usually everyone would get to lead part or all of a song um, so that was great. And especially when you're doing three services, that's very helpful. Sure. Yeah. Is it the same team for all three services? Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. I mean, the volunteers are, are unbelievable, right? They'd be showing up at 6, 630 in the morning and go until one thirty or 2. So yeah. it was a f- full day for them. Yeah. I was uh, calculating once in my head. This was when I, I was either engaged or I was uh, or, or I was already married. And I was the main audio guy, and I was actually, the church I attended, we had three services, two in the morning, one at night, and I actually calculated how many hours I worked at the church. If you want to look at it, I mean, how many hours I volunteered, but how many hours I actually worked, because a sound guy is there before the service starts, 
You're there afterwards to clean yeah. up. Uh, and then you're there again in the evening doing the exact same thing. And it was like an eight-hour day. Yeah. So when you consider about volunteers, uh, it's a huge commitment, especially when you have multiple services on a Sunday morning. No, it's it was it was a big thing, and and so there was a constant need to recruit and develop and try to try to make the pace right, uh, right. for the volunteers. Kind of once a month seemed to be about right for most. Yeah. Right. Um, my brother's a a pastor, a lead pastor in a church. Uh, north of Toronto, and uh, and I've shared this before, but I'll share it again because it kind of relates. Um, his philosophy has always been that as a pastor, he gets paid for a 40-hour week, but he expects himself and the people that work full-time at the church to put in 50 hours. And the reason behind that philosophy is that if he expects people who work, you know, the lay people in the church, the volunteers who work their full-time jobs 40 hours a week or 37 and a half mm-hmm. or whatever that magic number is, and then he then you expect them to volunteer at the church, then it should be no different for the people that work for the church as well. Yeah. So for you, um, what was your work week? Like uh-huh. Sunday is a work day for you. Sure. Uh, yeah. As it is for my brother, who's a pastor. So what, you know, what was work for you? And do you have a, do you have a break? Do you get a down, downtime? Yeah. So it was, uh, hope was a unique, uh, uh, situation because it was big enough that we were kind of six or seven days a week is how how much the programming was running sure. um, whether it would be men's ministry women's ministry whatnot and of course I had some oversight over all of that so um we we had a very similar kind of ethos which was you know if I were attending a church um, I would typically volunteer once or twice a month but not maybe for three services so maybe I'd volunteer five hours a month or potentially ten if I was like a super committed person um, and then of course you have things like small groups where you're getting together so to be a part of community or church life um, and so I think that's about right 45 to 50 hours a month for for a, um, a pastor or a staff member um, seemed about right um, when you were asking earlier about mandatory attending events, that you can see where it starts to get huge, right? Because you have special events or men's events or conferences or prayer nights, and so you especially really, at Christmas time. Can oh you imagine goodness, all the events yeah. you have to attend? Yeah, yeah. it's it's amazing. Christmas, yeah. December's nuts. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's. Uh, I think that's a good rule of thumb um, is to is kind of look at life and say, hey, you know, what is what does healthy community look like? The challenge is the Sabbath. The challenge is where do you get your rest? Right. Uh, we used to try to take Fridays and Saturdays off and kind of have like this five-day work week with an understanding we'd probably work one or two nights as well. Um, and that kind of got you to 50 in a hurry. So, yeah. yeah. You mentioned uh, specifically mentioning or, or talking about the Christmas side of things. Like the whole month of December is basically a write-off for any pastor. Correct. And so when we have family functions, uh, you know, our, our my side of the family uh, getting together for Christmas, you know, all the extended family and stuff. Really, the schedule revolves around my brother, right? Around his schedule, and usually it's after Christmas, between that small little amount of time that you have between Christmas and New Year's to get together. But other years, it's been even after New Year's because yeah. of the schedule being so crazy busy for him. Yeah. So, but also the the uh, talking about the Sabbath because I think that's really important to note. And that's not just for pastors, that's for everybody. Correct. Right? Because it's so easy to get sucked into work, 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 volunteer, 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 that you don't actually get the rest. 100%. And I think that's probably something I learned during the pandemic was like, ah, I get some rest. Like finally, you know, finally discovering what that rest was. 
and uh, and thinking, yeah, I need more of this. You yeah. know, um, we don't plan any events on the Sunday, and by events, I mean we're not going to go visiting people. Right. You know, if we get invited over, it's like, yeah, no, sorry, Sunday can't work for us because. I don't want to be the guy when we're visiting somebody and, you know, six, seven o'clock in the evening rolls around and says, guys, we've got to go. Yeah. You know, I don't want to be the bad guy if we're yeah. having fun. Yeah. But at the same time, I have I have a job to go to the next day and I have yeah. to be alert and awake for that job yeah. uh, to get there, number one, uh, let alone actually doing the job. Yeah. And so we try not to plan any events on, on a Sunday because of that. So Sunday and tends to be that Sabbath, and it doesn't have to be a Sunday for everybody. It could be a different right. day of the week, but having that time. So, when you were on staff, Sunday being a work day, what day was your Sabbath? I really tried to make it Friday, so that was kind of like the first day of um, the of the weekend, if you will. Right. Um, you can't get around that Sundays that come in on Saturday, and so you you're kind of checking in uh, by at least after dinner, if not before. And there may even be some things that came up. So Friday was the safest day. Uh, wasn't ideal for family time, obviously, because all your kids are at school and whatnot. So you, you kind of have to work really hard on Friday nights to connect with family and Saturday mornings. Right. Um, but yeah, kind of by the time Saturday night rolled around, you're in work mode yeah. and getting ready. And same thing, you know, you're up at five in the morning and, and, and off to work. So... Yeah, and it's like you said, it's Sunday's a long day, especially if if you have multiple services in a bigger church where yep. you would have multiple services just to accommodate the the volume of people that are showing 100%. up. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for your worship team, what what was the philosophy like? Obviously, there's everybody loves to volunteer. Everybody thinks they're um, great, and you know, I I can play the keys or I can sing really good. Um, so, how did you? Um, I use the word control that because mm-hmm. obviously you have to decide if they are actually good or not. Everybody thinks they can sing good, but you know, sometimes they can't, sometimes they get a little thing with pitch or whatever else. Yeah, right. Yeah. How did you, uh, how did you handle people wanting to get involved and how, you know, how did, what did you do to steer them, steer them in the right direction? Yeah. So I arrived and the systems were largely there, um, probably tweaked them a little bit, but we had an audition uh, system and it used to be a live one and we changed it to video uh, which um, I don't know if that created a barrier to entry. I think it made it easier for some and harder for others. And we always tried to help people, but definitely an audition process, right? And so we would take singers through both melody and harmony singing and players would have to play through different things. So yeah, it was, uh, we definitely had a gate. And uh, the big thing for us was not to make that gate um one where it was so detrimental to people getting involved. So we also had a whole development program. So uh, Sundays were uh, obviously a big service, a very, very high bar in terms of what we expected people to be able to do and show up ready to do. Yeah, um, that's a big thing right there. Yeah. It's like a, just don't show up and, oh, what are we doing today? Yeah, you know? no, you have to come ready, ready to roll. And, yeah. um, and so we started um, using our youth, uh, which actually our youth group was like 300 plus um, and ran two services, junior high and senior high. And so we would use that as a place for people to learn um, all kinds of things. I mean, we use technology so much in church, right? With backtracks and click tracks and in ears and all don't, this don't, kind of don't stuff. Don't tell people. Don't <laughs> don't tell people the secrets. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so much so much work, right? And then and then literally just being able to play um, yeah. more complicated parts. It's not as it's not as simple as it was in the early days where you're just cording through, right? You're playing lead lines on keys and on electric, and you're expected to play 
you know, certain baselines. And so we had that. We had men's ministry and women's ministry, all these places that people could learn um, both the skills that they needed to be a part of a band, so learning how to play with others, but also just gaining that confidence of being in front of people and and realizing there's this edification call that we have as worship leaders to be able to kind of inspire and by example lead in worship and gain the confidence to be demonstrative and realize that you know at the back of the room if if you're doing nothing that's literally what's coming across um, and when you're doing more uh, my hands raised there you know people are, are oh okay I can do that I can follow that if that's right. in my personality I can I can do that as well so giving people permission to just let go and actually worship God. So, what about um, the production side of things? The tech people and stuff. What was there a similar audition process for that? Um, I would say no. It was far more of a if you're willing, we'll train you. So okay. there was definitely a development track. You don't just oh, we're going to sit you at the soundboard on uh, on a Sunday. Yeah, go um, nuts, have yeah. fun, enjoy. <laughs> don't screw but, it up. <laughs> but heavy, heavy training. So they did a, an amazing job. That team did an amazing job of just recruiting. There, again, lots of places. The the youth uh, area had their own kind of little worship area with a you know a, a fully teched out board, digital board um, that was the same technology as the main room. So if you learn there, you could transition those skills in the main room, or even we had an in-ear mixer backstage on the main stage. So if I can call it that, but in the main sanctuary. So yeah, it was, there was a a lot of jobs. I mean, we had video live stream, we were running four cameras. Obviously we had a back room uh, for digital, for all the switching and all that sort of thing. So there was lots of different roles for production and the team did an amazing job of just recruiting, developing, training, being patient, giving people skills and transferring people. I, I like this better than I like working the camera way better than I like, you know, being back in the video switching room. So, right. So obviously a lot of people involved in a typical Sunday service. Yeah. So what do you do when there's a no show? Like either they just haven't shown up and you don't know why, or they've called in sick, uh, but not enough notice to get somebody else in. Is it just you You have a hole now or, or you fill it somehow? Or We just, I think over the years we learned we just had some redundancy all the time. Okay. Yeah. So uh, it did happen for sure. And it happened a lot during the pandemic when we were allowed to do certain things, but you still had to have folks show up. Yeah. Um, so there was things we could do, like we could we could take a camera person who was capable of running pro presenter um, and then have that camera just be a static shot. Um, or we had... An or extra- running back and forth and let's <laughs> zoom in for this next shot, run back again. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. And we had we had floater staff members that would, in, in essence, be doing a tech director job, but we could do without that on a Sunday if necessary, or at right. least some of the time. And then sometimes, you know, the first service you were short, but the second service you were able to get someone to fill it for the next two. Right, right. Like, yeah. Scrambling, no. no doubt about it. But by and large, an incredibly committed group of people um, who would have to be, you know, deathly sick not to show up. So there was there was no uh, issue with commitment, that's for sure. Uh, rehearsals, weekly rehearsals, or how did that all work with the worship team? We used to, so we used to have a Saturday service and two Sundays, and we switched to four Sundays at one point. And at that point, we're just like, we can't, we can't do another rehearsal like on a Saturday and then do four services. So we started rehearsing early in the morning. We started rehearsing at 6.30. Okay. Um, and so that did change things because we lost an hour of rehearsal time. So we used to rehearse fairly long amount of time on a Saturday for the whole weekend worth of services. Right. 
Uh, and we just had to, again, it was a little tough. We had to raise the bar and say, okay, there's, you really have to show up ready to play every note. Yeah. And all we're working on is kind of like feel and maybe some on the fly changes because we're just feeling something different for in rehearsal with the group that we have together today. But you really have to come prepared. And is there a cutoff time on that rehearsal if it's a, on a Sunday morning? Absolutely. Um, you're going to try to make me remember. It was, say it was 25 minutes before the service started right, okay. so that they could ushers could open doors and start letting people uh, I'm a, I, I only ask because what drives me nuts is, is when there's a uh, church, uh, any church for that matter, any church, and and you maybe are visiting and you show up and and you show up and they're still rehearsing, rehearsing, and I and I use the word rehearsing versus sound check because yeah. it's two separate things. Yeah, and especially if they've had a midweek service or sorry a midweek rehearsal already, then what are you doing on Sunday morning? You've already had your rehearsal. Yeah. Maybe you need to fine tune some transitions and you know flow or whatever else, but you don't need to be doing the song. Verse one, chorus, right. verse two, chorus, especially when it all sounds the same, unless it's com- sounding completely different for each, you know, each stanza or each each right. part. Right. Uh, and that's that's what drives me nuts. It's, like, well, it's just a rehearsal. It's like, yeah. well, you're just having your own praise and worship time now, which is, I, I suppose <laughs> if that's bad. what you want to yeah. do for your team, great, yeah. Yeah. you know. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, we combine it all in one. We do, a, for all intents and purposes, an in-ear check, which acted as a sound check for the band. Right. Um, and then the rehearsal would combine as a sound check for the audio engineer. Right. And he would dial everything in for all the different songs. Yeah. Um, and, and that makes sense because the in-ear, uh, for, for a good sound guy, really all that really matters for the sound check is initially is keeping the band and the musicians and the singers happy with what they hear yeah. in their monitors or in their in-ears. Yeah. After that, they can go ahead and rehearse and stuff and the sound guy can now you know, fine-tune the EQ or fine-tune the mix or whatever else. They don't need to be involved in that. 100%. Unless it's unless it's like, you know, I, I've done this in the past where it's the drummer where you just want to make sure you've got the, the right levels for each mic on the drums, you know, multiple mics, six or eight mics or whatever. And it's like what I would do is I would say, okay, just wail on the drums for the next yeah. 20 seconds and I'm just going to quickly, not going to EQ because I've already done that, but I'm yeah. just going to adjust the levels and stuff and then I'm happy, okay, you guys go do whatever you have to do. And ironically, in in our situation, when with in ears, that one of the big advantages, of course, is the whole band can be playing the song, and out in the worship center, the audio engineer could have muted everything and just be working on the drums. Right, right exactly. So yeah, it's it. We combined it all, and we also combined um, video cues. Right, so the video team would would be there, and uh, especially for live stream, you know. They would practice switches. Okay, this person's leading on this song. So if we're going to do a close up, remember you better have right. that close up dialed yeah. in, that sort of thing. So yeah, I mean that's that's what the time is for, and that's yeah. why you want your video people there ahead of time so 100%. they know what's going on. Write it down or whatever they need to do so yeah. they know what's happening. Exactly. Yeah. Sometimes sometimes people I think it's like the camera people would show up. It's just like okay, well just we'll just wing it. For yeah. you know, oh, looks like they're leading this. I better <laughs> zoom in real quick. But being prepared yeah. obviously makes a lot of sense. It does. Yeah. yeah. It all it's it's all part of what we have to deal with in our current. You know, technology. Sometimes you wish for simpler times, but yeah. for the folk that are watching at home um, or who are watching later because they're away on business or whatever it might be, um, it creates just for. I like to say it's less distraction, right? So it's just if I don't if if I don't have to think about you know you mentioned someone singing in tune or not in tune, but if I don't have to think about why why am I watching someone tuning their guitar when I can clearly hear someone is singing a lead part 
you know, that's what I want to be following. So right. those things can take people out of the moment yeah. and you're trying to, you're trying to give them, uh, an ability to, you know, even in a remote way, meet with God and, and, and not be distracted. With multiple services, uh, did your church uh, require musicians and singers to stay in the service, uh, like the duration of all services, or no. they they booted out? Like, what was the? What we did happened one. There? We did okay. one. You, you typically attend the service with friends or family. Okay, you know, and so whichever was, I actually. Uh, usually sat through a couple. I usually always sat through the first one so I'd understand um, the full scope because you don't hear the sermon until the first. That's yeah. one thing you don't get a rehearsal for. Exactly. Um, and so just making sure you understood that, especially if you're leading and you get back up and there's a response song and being part of that service. And then my family usually came to the noon, so um, I'd sit back in and do it again at noon. But Right. Yeah. So enough about all of that stuff. Sure. Let's talk about your music because you're not just um, involved in leading worship, but you've got your own solo career, as it were, uh, music that you've been doing for a while. And yeah. and I guess I first became familiar with your stuff maybe, I don't know, 10 years ago? Would at that least. Be about right? At yeah, least 10 at years least. ago? Yeah. Uh, but you've obviously been doing that a lot on the side anyways, yeah. and, and now it's become more of a focus. So tell me how it all started as far as that's concerned because a lot of people that lead worship in a church don't necessarily have a, a an artist career a solo career or you know record music or anything like yeah. that they just kind of have their own little thing going but it seems like what's happened a lot recently in in years you know in the years now is people that have any kind of um following mm. i don't want to sound too um simplistic or too unspiritual yeah. but if you have a following or if you have songs that people resonate with mm-hmm. you very often have the opportunity to start recording that stuff so is that kind of what happened with you or did you just you already you always had that music thing happening yeah i'd say I always i've always had that music thing happening and i think the last i've gone through all these different seasons right so way back in the day you you may have even played the group i was with heart mind and soul I've heard uh, which, the name. Yeah, I don't know if been, I played it here, but somebody yeah. might have before me. Well, it might have been Jim Leak. Yeah, maybe. yeah. So in the '90s, um, and uh, but yeah, music's always been writing music and singing music has always been a passion, and and I would say that worship music certainly in my early days in music was so different. Right, it was more of the song leader and the choir, and way more hymny, and you might have gotten a little bit of the uh, gospel music starting to come in, but. Uh, choruses, you know, a lot of Maranatha feel, and that wasn't my vibe back then. You know, right, I was, yeah. um, I was into kind of writing, for lack of a better term, pop music, and so I, uh, I, it's always been in me. And I think uh, the seasons I've gone through, done lots of recordings. I did some secular stuff. I did some jazz stuff with some guys in Toronto, which was ridiculously fun, to be honest. But um, I ended up uh, in these last say five years of being in ministry, you know, trying to even figure out how to write worship music, uh, which I've done a little bit, but not much. And I actually kind of found that uh, I'm not good at it. Um, I'm better at just writing songs. And so um, for the last two, three years, just in my own kind of private time, all these songs and COVID brought out some songs and, um, yeah, I just started realizing like uh, I'm better at and I enjoy more writing songs um, that I would not call worship songs. They're Christian songs, right? So, so songs of faith, but 
Um, and so that's what's been developing. And so, yeah, just as as time as it became clear, the Lord was kind of leaving, uh, leading us out of uh, full time ministry in the way that we had been the last five years. There's some things that happened. We moved uh, from Burlington to Grimsby. Uh, had that's a, bit, a little bit of a commute. Yeah, a little bit, a <laughs> little bit. And uh, and we had this vision for putting a, a little studio in the backyard, which uh, we just completed this summer. And that gives me the opportunity to go out and get noisy any time of the day or night I want to. And uh, so it's just been a joy. Like, it's just things are starting to bubble up and, and a lot more music is starting to come out again. And it's easier um, because I think it's the kind of uh, music that I enjoy listening to, enjoy writing. Um, and... And over the last decade, I'd say I, I I never saw. I always thought I'd just go into studio and someone have an engineer do you know bring the band in and have the engineer, and then just uh, with technology changes and with exposure to some really good friends who are are good producers and engineers that have taught me a bunch of things, um, I've started to enjoy even just creating the whole thing sure. and then just getting help where I need it as opposed yeah. to uh, so I'm trying to trying to figure that out I'm trying to figure out again how I can be a little bit more I hate to say prolific in in, in kind of any other way than just do more I yeah. want to get more stuff out there more consistently and get it at at as high a level as I can make it and and yeah hopefully bless others with it so you're doing uh, some other stuff as well and you'd mentioned this uh, in an email to me you've you've started a company I guess it's like a consulting business. Yeah. So what is it all about? I'm really intrigued by it because obviously you've got a lot of knowledge. You've got a lot of um, experience. What are you doing in this? Yeah. So, you know, music, music as the dream of doing it full time in in a pure artist way, uh, obviously never, never came to be. And so my, my quick life path was, you know, kind of did the band thing for about seven years, spent about six years in finance business industry, um, and then I transitioned into not-for-profit, and I worked for a charity out of Guelph for five years. And then I started, it's the same company, Idea Praxy, coming out of that and worked for uh, at that for about five years. Um, and ultimately what I found when I was working for the charity is I was doing fundraising, I was doing organizational stuff, I was dealing with, you know, uh, all the growth that we obviously wanted to do because you grow, you do more good, right? And so mm. we were a feeding charity, and we had some programs in Haiti during the earthquake, which is a whole other thing. Um, did a lot of overseas uh, work in Africa and partnering with other organizations. And we actually did a ton of feeding in Canada, uh, helping out food banks and other Christian organizations like the Good Shepherd or churches and whatnot with food pantries. So um, you start to learn all all these new skills. And I started to uh, go out and just help charities and say, hey, listen, maybe you don't uh, have the money to hire someone full time. Uh, but I could fractionally work for you one day a week or this many hours a month and help you, your fundraising grow or whatnot. So that's what we did for Steph and my wife and I did that for about five years, helping people with anything, website, social media, you know, fundraising, marketing, all that kind of stuff and organizational stuff too. Just like, how do we put things together? Um, how do we make things work? Optimization. So I, I love that stuff. It sounds kind of weird. I'm uh, uh, as a musician, sometimes that's not the most uh, <laughs> normal thing to have those in your personality, but I really like that stuff. So I can see a big need for for that anyways, because a lot of times when you have charities, you've got people in place that don't have that skill set. Right. They've got the ability, they've, they've got the heart, yep. but they don't have the ability 
or the know-how or the experience to do a lot of that stuff behind the scenes. Yeah, and you have to have a passion for it, right? If you can see how, you know, uh, one of my friends who worked with me uh, for some of those years or all of those years at Sparaway, he jokes because I trained him and he, he was in logistics and I trained him how to use spreadsheets and he hated it, just hated it. But he always joked um, about how, you know, I seem to actually like that. And it's like, well, I can see it's a tool that helps us do more. Yeah. As simple as that, right? Yeah. And and so I can I can link up with the passion that a, a founder or even just a, a leader in a charity has for helping or for sharing the gospel, um, and uh, and I can say, hey, let's we can do more of it if we become more efficient, you know, and and that that's good for stewardship, that's good for donor dollars, um, and that's that's also just a great story to tell people as as you walk through life and try to do um, do the Lord's work. Yeah, and from a charity standpoint, a lot of it is numbers. Yeah. And so having that financial background is certainly helpful because you kind of, you can measure stuff. I mean, yep. that's a lot, of, a lot of times when, whether it's an artist or anybody in any career, and they're, they're trying to measure or they're trying to see, if, maybe they're asking themselves, am I successful in what I'm doing? Well, you can't be successful if you can't measure where you were and where you are now. Like yeah. If you can't have any kind of... Um, uh, yardstick to yeah. know where where you start and 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 even have a plan in place, right? And I guess that's what you're doing a lot with this with this uh, this um, consulting business is yeah. is you're you're putting a plan in place that perhaps they didn't have the ability to do themselves or didn't know they could do. So key key component of it is I call it strategic plan, yes, but also tactical plan underneath that, right? So a lot of a lot of folk have have the vision thing down. They know their purpose. They know why they exist. But strategy-wise, they don't know how they're going to get there. Um, and that can be your three- and five-year plan, but some real major milestones. But those major milestones are daunting. And you go, well, how tactically, how do I even get to the first milestone? Right. I'm a big believer in, um, it was a fellow named Darren Hardy that wrote a book called The Compound Effect. Really simple little book. And he just talks about, you know, we aggregate good things. If we, you know, daily or weekly, we are we are doing good things. Um, we aggregate them over time. And so you look at um, what we're trying to do, whether it be health and working out or whether it be trying to raise more money for the charity that we're working for or as an artist, um, trying to get a, a recording done. Um, you know, when you set yourself up and you work on it, you just take a piece on. Those things aren't as simple as I did you know, 1% and I did 1%. No, that's now 2%. Yeah. And then now it's 3%. And usually what happens is when we get somewhere up in that 40, 50, 60% range, it starts to snowball and feel like we've actually accomplished something. And you get to that, you know, 85% song done and you can take it over the finish line or 85% of that event planned. And now all we have to do is have people show up. And um, that's that's the fun stuff. But it's it's part of my cheerleading role as a consultant is is convincing people, you got to do some of this stuff in the early days and it will pay a dividend. Don't quit. Right. You know, like don't yeah. quit because it's so important. I had a chat with somebody a while back and uh, it was it was a very similar type conversation and, and they were a really, really busy person. And so I asked the question like, so how do you do it? How do you take on new projects and, you know, with everything that's on your plate right now? And his response was, well, if I could just do one little thing towards that end goal, one thing per day, 
Well, at the end of the week, mm-hmm. whether you measure it as a five-day week or even a seven-day week, at the end of the week, I've done seven things. At the end of a month, I've done 30, 31 things. Those are 30 things I wouldn't have done normally. At That put me 30 steps ahead of where I would have been um, had I done nothing. 100%. Right? Yeah, and the only thing I add to that is edit. So my daughter um, is a budding musician. She's got one song out now, and... Um, uh, she does worship leading itinerantly and teaches voice lessons and whatnot. And so, you know, young energy to burn, you know, all these kinds of stuff. Vision, yeah. 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 And I'm, I'm like, but edit, like you still have to edit to the point where you can't just keep adding one thing to 20 projects and say, okay, now I'm going to have, you know, whatever the math is there, 600 things towards all these 20 projects by the end of the month. Uh, it's too much. Yeah. Like you, you have to figure out your maxes. And so if you get to those five or those seven projects that you can do one thing a day on, and those are all things that are dovetailing and working together. And that takes a ton of work. That takes some reflection time. Ironically, hailing back to our earlier conversation, it takes the ability to rest because part of what Sabbath or rest does is it allows us to recommit ourselves to the Lord, to realize it's him that is providing everything that we need and um, and then allows us to, again, submit uh, what we're doing to what his will might be for our life. And and so, yeah, we use our natural and our spiritual gifts to live out what he's given us to live out in scripture and through um, our community and the things that people are affirming in us. But then I think sometimes we all want to be superheroes. Yeah. And um, I've had to learn the hard way that I'm the furthest thing from that. And you just got to be faithful. You got to be faithful and and listen to the Lord and look to the Lord and don't get ahead of him. Yeah, I think if you get overly busy, uh, sometimes you can lose focus too. Yeah. Right? You get busy and, and you think you're moving towards the direction that you should be going. And sometimes you need to take that step back. And whether it's on the Sabbath or, or another time where you yeah. just look at it and say, okay, is that really where I'm heading do I need to refocus? Do I need to shift? Do I need to do things a little bit differently? Or maybe just reflect back and, and determine, is this actually working or not? Obviously, give it some time because sometimes there's steps you need to take and you need to be faithful in those steps. But after a certain amount of time, you've been doing it for two years and nothing's happening. Well, maybe you're doing it wrong. You can't yeah. just continue doing it the same way and it's not working, right? Bit of the forest for the trees yeah. uh, situation, right? Like you, you have to be able to step back outside and see, you know, am I actually going the right direction? Um, I'm doing what I think are the right things. Are they actually amounting to the right direction? Right. And then you can mid-course correct. You can edit. You can add. It, or or intentionally change direction because maybe maybe what you thought was what you wanted a year ago is is now changed. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, yeah so. that's great. This has been – oh, before we go, before we go, sure. I, I have to ask you, and I'm not sure if, if I'm allowed to ask you this. You hinted that you've got a client – that is uh, potentially starting a Canadian Christian worship label. Can you can you share any details, or is it all hush hush right now? It's not completely hush hush. I'll share a bit of details. Yeah, so that's a fun thing. So you relaunch the business, and the first thing that happens is you have someone, an entrepreneur, that wants to uh, start up a worship kind of ministry label. Right. Um, and so yeah, it has a name. Um, it's called Song Crest. Um, is that and crest with a C or with a C? So oh, you can think of a wave of worship music flowing over okay. Canada, and or, or um, think about toothpaste. 
You could if you Sorry. wanted to, but I don't and, want. And you this to. has not been sponsored. <laughs> this has not been sponsored by any toothpaste company, but just, okay. Songcrest, so, yeah. Okay. So it's it's very much in the early stages, and big vision for it. And uh, yeah, more information. You can go to songcrest.com, and all you'll see is a word. We haven't even got a, a logo yet. We're working on that as we speak. Um, but yeah, it's pretty exciting stuff. A vision to really kind of re-energize, reawaken um, the Canadian church, the Canadian artist to serving the church um, with uh, with music, with original songs from our context, um, and, and also just to really actually emphasize in that character. So we're not after being superstars. We're after being ministers to the church who are actually chasing after growing our own character, growing in the fruit of the Spirit, trying to be examples of, of Christ-like behavior, and in doing that, encouraging the art in there and, and trying to re-energize the artists in this country. Give them hope mm-hmm. um, that there's an outlet for their music, that it's maybe less of an industry and more of a ministry. Um, but with the, with that's, some a, the that's a novel concept. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> so how involved, like you're obviously uh, part of the launch of this, but yeah. how involved will you be post-launch? Uh, for the foreseeable future, I'll be very involved. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So this is this will be kind of your, partly your baby. Uh, yeah, I would say that. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Would, it, would it evolve, you know, given the fact that you're doing the consulting business now, would it end up being... Uh, what you would migrate to as far as this is what you're now doing for a living, you think? Or will it be still always a side project? Yeah, I think it'll always be a piece. Okay. Um, I, I think what I've learned about myself, um, it's taken me way too long, and some of my friends would laugh uh, and say, yeah, we knew that. Um, I need to have a diversity of things going on, and one of the things needs to be music. Um, and I absolutely love the church and I love Jesus Christ. And I, I really need to have my, um, some of my efforts into kind of like direct ministry. Mm -hmm. Um, but I also, I love being out in the marketplace and rubbing shoulders with folk that don't know the Lord and being able to share the gospel with them. And so kind of feeling this call to have some diverse relationships and networks and serve the church, but also share the gospel and be evangelistic in, in how I walk through the world. So. So as far as your music career is concerned, if you are uh, ever looking for a Canadian Christian label, um, I know of one that's starting up very soon. There you go. Um, and if you want to go to songcrest.com, uh, you'll find out all about it. Yeah, you'll start to see more and more information showing up there. <laughs> there you go. Cliff, thanks for dropping by to chat. Yeah, pleasure. Thank you for having me. Why don't you head over to cliffkline.com and uh, find out all you need to know about Cliff, his music, and what he's up to. And before we go, let's get some artist advice from Bridget Donahoe. I would say just remain faithful in the small things. So, so many times we yeah. see the end result of of a ministry, but really that person or that minister and that you're seeing on these stages and doing all these awesome things with the Lord, all these wonderful songs, they've been faithful with the little. And so when God gives us small things, he entrusts us and he'll grow them if we're faithful stewards of what we have in our hand at the moment. And so I would say just take the time to really hone your craft, um, learn your skill, you know, be faithful and just really lean into the Lord and the next steps that he would have you to take. 
Remaining faithful in the small things. I think sometimes we like to skip steps. We're impatient, you know what I mean? Um, but we we should remember that we need to wait for God's timing in everything, whether it be our family life, our uh, career, uh, in this case, in the music industry, and uh, just just wait patiently for what God is going to do. And that is it for this week's episode of Between the Grooves. Aisha's back next week. Don't forget to subscribe, and we'll let you know when new episodes drop. Thanks for listening to Faith Strong Today's Between the Grooves podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, would you consider sharing it with your friends, rating our podcast, or giving us some love on your socials to your amazing friends and followers will only help us reach more people. We'd also love to hear from you and share your feedback in an upcoming episode. Send your video or written message to Aisha and James on Facebook and Twitter at Between Grooves or email us anytime. Hello at faithstrongtoday.com. 